Good morning, guys. Just housekeeping real quick. We have prayer cards on the back table back there. And if you want to get our um, email updates, there's an email here. Just send me your email, even if it's just blank, like if it comes in today or this week, I'll know that you're wanting to be on our email list and I'll add you on. But even more frequent, if you, this thing for you guys, older guys, this is a QR code. You just like hover your camera over that thing and it'll take you to our Instagram link. If you prefer to um, look at stuff on there, because we do much more frequent updates on Instagram. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so I'm Wes Chavel. My wife is Penny. I'm going to get our slides up here. Okay, that's not my wife, that's Madi, she's our neighbor. Um, yeah, that's our family. So, I, this is an older picture, but it was the only one we had recently that had our five kids. So the Lord has blessed us with five children. Uh, Asa is our oldest, Asa, Josiah, and then Jay, Zoe, and Pindu. And this is us just uh, Thanksgiving time there. Penny always has to say, do a crazy face. So our, where we're at right now with our little tribe is Josiah is married to Maddie. Uh, and they got married back in August. Um, and we're excited what the Lord wants to do with them. They are interested in missions. And if you guys know, the Papua New Guinea is wide open to missionaries. You can say, we want to come as a missionary, and they'll give you a visa, and they'll say, come. They, they want you to be educating their people, teaching them how to read and write. They're wide open. There's the remaining, where these remaining people groups are in the world that need the gospel, are in what the world would say, closed access countries. Missionaries, we like to refer to it as creative access. <laughs> And so Maddie teaches English as a second language, and Josiah is a welder. So he's working through his certifications to where he can be a welding instructor. And they're interested in places like maybe Nepal or India, where you can't say, hey, I want to come preach the gospel. You have to say, we have these skill sets, and we'd love to come you know, help your country. And you instruct in welding and you teach English and then you use those relationships that you build to plan a church because those remaining people groups are in more and more hostile areas around the world. So you can pray for them. Um, Asa and Grace are getting married um, in a couple weeks here, March 2nd. So we're excited for that. So our little tribe is growing. This is the group that's going to be going back to Papua New Guinea with us. Asa and Josiah live in South Carolina and we're, that's our home base for this home assignment. That's what the new term for furlough is, home assignment. And we are, that's going to be coming to, the, coming to an end at the end of May, and then we'll be going back to Papua New Guinea. And so, yeah, it's exciting times for us. This was us in 2006 when we, we first moved to Papua New Guinea. Um, we moved into the capital Sorry, not the capital. We moved into uh, our headquarters area there, 
with Ethnos 360, okay? And you can see on the point of that is a thriving church for every people. And we talked a little bit about we want to see a thriving church. We want to see Preston City be a thriving church, okay? When these people groups that have no gospel witness, that's the end goal is to see a thriving church there. We can drill wells. We can do all kinds of humanitarian work. But when the missionaries exit, there needs to be a thriving church there that has God's word and can handle God, God's word in their own language. That's, that's the goal, the end goal. Papua New Guinea is, is down here on the bottom. Um, so you're probably familiar with Australia and China. We're right down there in that area. This is the island. Papua New Guinea is half of the New Guinea of, half of the island of New Guinea. You see Indonesia's right there on the side, um, right over, right over in here, is Indonesia. So on this little island, this half of the island, it's about the size of California, but language-wise, so landmass area, it's the size of California. Language-wise, there's 800 different languages. That's not counting dialects. If we count dialects, it'd be thousands and thousands of different dialects. Menya has four up to five different dialects. So there's 800 distinct languages, and we work specifically uh, with the Menya people group, the Menya nation, the Menya tribe, however you want to say it, and they number about 50,000 people. Some of these people groups, like our translation consultant that's helped us with all of our translation checks that we've done so far. She works with a people group. They have two villages in number in about 300 people, 350 people. She's given her whole life to translate God's word in, in, in this language for 300 people. That's pretty cool for their heart language. Papua New Guinea is a big spine, a mountain range that comes out, and we're kind of right in the middle there. In the Menu tribe, uh, in the back of this yellow province called Morobe province there, and that's where they live. Many people are subsistence farmers. That means if the husband has a machete and the wife has a shovel, that's all they need to sustain a whole family of six. They can build a grass hut. They can dig. This is all hand dug. They can dig acres and acres with a shovel. Guys, if you're thinking of a Valentine's present for your wife, a shovel... <laughs> In Menya is just a beautiful gift. It'd be like getting a Mercedes, you know, a new shovel. So you might get hit with it if you give your wife a shovel and say, dig a garden. <laughs> dig a garden this size, right? <laughs> but it's amazing. That, that's an amazing part of their culture is that with, with two tools, they can sustain a family. It's unbelievable. On the spiritual side of things, they're animist, which means... Even now, even though they have, they have clothes and they have shovels and they have cell phones, um, at their core, they're animist, which means this is our, he was our village um, councilman at the time. What controls his thinking is he's thinking that the whole, the spirit realm, the lower, like being what our ancestors would say are bridge trolls and dwarves and elves and all these things. They have all these different categories. Plus, you got to add in there the ancestor spirits that hang around and will tease you and affect you if you don't appease them right. That controls everything. Whether you're healthy, whether your garden grows, whether you win in fights, 
whether you grow to be a strong man, whether your baby dies, all those things are controlled by the spirit realm. And there's all kinds of different incantations and spells and things that you have to do, certain way you have to live to appease those spirits and have a good life and then make it on to the ancestor realm where hopefully you have a good life there too. So they had um, all of this, this, this nose bone, um, pig tusk through his nose, that is in there and that blocks you from doing bad things. That's what they think. Uh, it's they, the elders would give the young guys all this instruction and then shove stuff way up in their nose and bleed out all the blood that was you know, rebellious blood, and then they put this fence in. It's called a wall to keep you from doing bad behavior. So we had to learn all these things, all of, all of what they were thinking. And um, to, to get to the point, besides their actual language, to get to the point that we could present the gospel to these people. Because the end goal is to see a thriving church there. So how do you go from someone who in his mind, all of his oughts and I must and I have to are revolved down here in this animistic spirit world. How do you go from that to seeing a thriving church um, grow and be established and just flourish on their own when, when we're not there? How, how is that going to happen? Because if we had gone in and put up a big building and said, put on fancy clothes and come on Sunday. There'd be thousands of people here. They can all do that. But to actually go for a worldview change, to impact their heart with the gospel to where they understand it and see their need for a savior is a whole different process. So that we had to go, we had to move and live right among them. We don't live out away from them. We moved right in the middle of the tribe there in the Menya tribe, <clears throat> and there's Penny having her morning coffee. We actually lived in this house, um, the little grass hut. We, we told the Menya people, we came in, we said, we're here, we want to bring you God's message in your heart language. And they said, okay, we want you guys, we want you guys to come live here. And we said, okay, if we're going to come in, we need somewhere to stay while we slab lumber, uh, mill up lumber for a house. So took them three days and they built us this little grass hut. And so this is a little couple pictures. Shout out to Penny. She lived in a grass hut for six months. She washed and did laundry in a creek for six months, cooked on an open fire while I was slabbing lumber with two little ones. Um, she's amazing. She couldn't, I wish she could be here today because she's more interesting than I am. But anyway, um, that was 2018. We got to move in with these people. And we were just so excited that after years, it was 98 when I first was like, man, Lord, if you can use me to be a missionary, like, I'll go, I'll be available, I'll be a tool, you know, and just to be used and to get to where we moved in, that was 10 years later. And then to get to where we could present the gospel to him was another 10 years. Uh, we'll get to that. But it was just a lot of the language study when it's not a written language, when it's not already reduced to language. This is what language study looks like. You're sitting in the yard with your kids and you're just doing life with them. You're doing if they're picking coffee, then you're picking coffee and you're listening to them and you're writing stuff down and recording things. And 
figuring out why they're doing what they're doing. Um, all the different things. Even the lice train, you have to get in on the lice trains too. That's part of showing like genuine friendship. <laughs> so Penny would get right in there. She's a trooper. Wish she could be here. But after um, it was almost six years of language study, and we do like say like the CIA is going to send a spy into Moscow, American, who's learned Russian, and they want to test them to see what his Russian sounds like. They use a very strict testing. You don't want to go show up in Moscow with a really strong American accent. <laughs> you get caught first day. We use that type of testing. Um, we have consultants that come in and just have us do all kinds, give us all kinds of assignments that we have to say in the language, stories we have to tell to see where we're at, ask us all kinds of cultural questions and see if we can answer them with the people and so after six years, they're like, okay, you're to that point where you're communicating to them on a heart level, where you can, you can understand everything that they're saying, you can tell all of these stories, and so now you can start um, literacy, which, so during language study, we're doing phonetics, we're writing down everything that we hear, and then what you have to do is then you switch to phonemics, which is taking everything you're hearing, and then... It's, it's more like writing down what they actually think they're saying. So you're coming up with their actual alphabet and their writing and what it looks like. And we had to, they have sounds that are not, um, they have more vowels than we do. And they have um, consonants that we don't even have, like an ang, an N with a tail on it. So we had to find ways to where... We can just use an American keyboard, so because we're thinking down the road, we want a thriving church. They need to be able to study God's word. They need to be able to write lessons, write, um, write things, and and communicate with each other. We want it to be easy for them to be able to do that. So we had to reduce it down to these symbols. And you guys can check these out later. This is Romans and what we have of the New Testament so far. So it was really cool. Our villages. Um, on both sides of this river, and it's narrow but long. So we got two guys from each of the hamlets, which are like different clans inside the tribe. And so they're from all over the village. They came and went through the first literacy course, teaching them four months how to read and write. And it was, it, that was exciting to see. While this was going on, so it took a long time to get to where we could actually teach the literacy course, but while this is going, we're starting to translate Scripture and get ready because when we present the Gospel, we want to present it with the Word of God. We translated 1,500 verses, which is um, this book here. It's got all of our Genesis portions, all of our Exodus portions, and then key stories, right? There's a lot. That's, the, the Bible's written for our instruction, but specifically for believers' instruction, but specifically there's a redemptive story through the Old Testament. Like, why was there a ram hung up in the bushes that was unblemished, that took Isaac's place? Like, this story that God is weaving all the way through from Genesis to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and that was, we, we translated 1,500 verses that follow specifically that redemptive story. We didn't need everything from, they don't necessarily need Proverbs and all that stuff yet, but there was key stuff we had to get to, prophecies about Christ. And so, um, 
that was going on while we were doing the literacy and getting all the way up to where we were writing our Bible lessons, which is, if I could show you, our track is about 60 lessons which walk people from um, creation. So you're starting, yeah, we start with creation to Christ, but God is the creator. If we just go in and say, in the beginning, God, they're going to say, okay, in the beginning, God. God's a spirit. Oh, they're like, okay, God's a spirit. God's down here. God created. Oh, so this guy's saying that this God, this spirit is the one who made everything. So they're trying, they're looking through their worldview and trying to peg which one in their worldview fits this thing, which would be called syncretism. But we anticipated that they were going to do all that. There was all kinds of things. So we, the beginning, when we said, we're ready to present the gospel to you guys, we, we took four months. And we, so we even have to start before God's word. We were doing, challenging their worldview and saying, this is what we want to present to you guys. You guys say that the witch doctor can make it rain. He failed. I watched him do it yesterday, and it hasn't rained yet. And it doesn't look like it's going to rain tomorrow. What do you guys think about it? Could that be wrong? Your traditional stories, your, they have a creation story, which involves cannibalism. Our guys were cannibals. Um, you have a creation story, and you guys tell that story this way right here. I've hiked to the edge of the tribe, and I talked to the oldest guy there. He told me that story. And it sounds similar to yours, but he said it was this and this and this. And then I went all the way to the south, and I got the creation story from another elder, and he said it was this way, like different again. So which one's right? Because he's the same tribe as you guys, many a tribe. He says it's this. You guys say this. And stories all mixed up. So you guys have passed it down. Is there any way this story could have been twisted? And they're like, oh, absolutely. They twisted it and they twisted it. They got it all messed up. And I'm like, that's funny because I asked them and they said, you guys have it all wrong. And they're like, who said it? Who said we got it all wrong? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's hilarious. So that, that was part of pre-evangelism. So getting, getting them ready to question their worldview and ask questions about what they believe like, man, you said that if you did this, you weren't going to get sick, and you got sick. Like, that, that doesn't make sense. How is that not true? So you're doing all, like, months and months and months, almost years of pre-evangelism, getting to the point where you can say, you know what, guys? We would go to funerals during our time of language study, and guys who we knew that died, and they would be like, you said you're here to teach us God's word, like, when, when are you going to tell us? And it's like, we're getting close. We're, we're ready. Like, we know, we, we actually said, we know where people go after they die. That was a big question that they had because they thought it was this <clears throat> ancestor realm. And, and we were like, God's word addresses that. And all, so we got near, near the last six months before we could present the gospel. We were like, that's what God's word addresses. God's word answers that. God's word tells you how you can be made right again. God, you have all this sin. You have all this shame. God's word addresses that. It tells you what God does to fix that problem because right now you guys are thinking you can fix it. So literacy was over and we started four months of chronological teaching. Sorry, the literacy is already in their hands. This is Helen. She's our, um, she runs the literacy program so that they, they continue that on now on their own 
starting from even before we presented the gospel, we, we started teaching people and to, to um, lead the classes. So that's Helen. You can pray for Helen. She was, um, Helen is such a faithful sister. She was a newly married, a young lady. She had to go out to town to help somebody, and she wrote, was riding on the back of a, a pickup truck, and it flipped over and broke her femur. And, um, you know, it, there's no good hospitals there or whatever. They just try to keep you alive. So her leg healed probably at least four inches shorter than the other one. So as soon as her husband saw that, she was discarded because wives are bought their property. Once she was useless as um, a wife who was supposed to dig big gardens, um, she was abandoned and he remarried and she was just kind of like an outcast. And um, But amazing, she was there at the first... Um, gospel message she came and heard like some of the pre-evangelism teaching we were doing and brought her whole family her her mother and her father and yeah so pray for helen she's such a faithful teacher she yeah Um, but then we finally got to being able to present the gospel to these people and that was 2018 it was around the january february time frame where we were just teaching through and they're storytellers, so we're telling it like from the scripture. It's a story, but all these characteristics about God are coming out. And the first time, it, we started with like 150 people coming. There was some of them, a group from another, um, it's a cult, it's another religious group. And as soon as we got to the law, we taught from creation all the way, we got to the law once they realized that we said the law is to show us how sinful we are. They literally, in the teaching guy, all got up and walked off, and that left us with a core group of about 100 people and followed all the way through. And um, that was the most amazing time to see them um, just come. The, God opened in their eyes, really. Like we, we talked about all the methodology that we do, and we talk about translating scripture and studying their language and making sure their alphabet's right, all these things. And yes, we need to be faithful with those things, but we do not rely on those things. Can we turn to 2 Corinthians 4? This is what we got to see real life in person. <clears throat> As we were teaching, we were seeing light bulbs going on in people's eyes. Like, and it happened at different points in time for people. For Wadi, who's now one of our Bible teachers, it was um, when Moses lifted up the brass snake, he said, that's it. Because they've, they've seen, they've heard in the trade language, they've heard the name Jesus, they've heard that he died on the cross, but they, they thought, the many people were the ones who actually killed them. They had all kinds of twisted views of it. But when they heard that story, we said nothing about Jesus yet. We hadn't mentioned the name of Jesus till after three months of teaching. But he was back when Moses lifted up the staff and whoever looked lived. Moses, uh, Wadi was just sitting there shaking. And he was like, that's Jesus, isn't it? He was like whispering because he didn't want everybody else to hear. And I was like, yeah, that's it. You got it. Like he believed then just just from hearing the Old Testament stories. He knew that's 
what Christ was going to do for him. Um, but this is what we were, we were seeing. Like we had 10 years of seeing how perverse their culture was, like their initiation ceremonies, how like it, it makes me so mad when I hear people say like, oh, they're so happy the way they are. You know, like these cultures that are out in the far corners of the world if you knew what was actually going on there, you'd be disgusted. Like, what, what William Carey got to see, like, when a guy died, the young bride had to be burned with her. And a lot of times that was a young girl that hadn't even met this guy yet, but she was arranged by the tribe. She would be strapped down on top of her husband and burned as a little kid, girl, because of these ceremonies. And you get people here just being, leave them alone. They're happy the way they are. The menia, the suicide rate was so high. Um, infant mortality was so high. <clears throat> it, was, it was perverse. It was disgusting. It was really sad, like what we saw. And in some parts, you look at it, and it's like you see their gardens, and you see their jungles, and you can show those pictures, and it's like, oh, it's like paradise. And it's not like paradise for them. They're going to hell. Like they're controlled by Satan and they're lost. Um, verse 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's, let's start in 3. This is what we got to see real live time. Like people who had not heard the gospel, these people had been isolated from the good news since probably the Tower of Babel when God dispersed the languages. No glimmer of hope for thousands of years. 3 says... And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So we have this all bound up in us for 10 years, like the hope of the gospel. We believed it. We trusted in it. We were seeing God work in so many ways, getting us through language, getting us ready, getting scripture translated, and then telling this story all the way through from creation and then getting to Christ. And we, we, the day where we presented the death, burial, and resurrection, it was like, it wasn't us. It, we, we got to see what God did. It says, which is the image of God. Five, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves for the sake of Jesus. For God who said, let sorry, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown into our, our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And really, even as Penny and I, our main takeaway from the whole time when we were presenting the gospel was that we had like trusted in ourselves the whole time. Like we thought we had something to do with it. Like we, we thought, man, how are these people going to hear without us? Little did we know, this is what God was doing. He was doing this. Yes, we can be a tool. We can be a blunt force object. Nobody goes by and looks at a beautiful house and says, man, I'd love to see the hammer that built that house. You know, we're just a tool in God's hand. You look at what was built and you look at the design and the craftsmanship behind that. You don't think about the hammer. And so it was absolutely amazing that the analogy here is that where, where was man when God said, let light shine out of darkness? How important were we in that role? <laughs> you know, 
Where I was like, oh yeah, I, none of us were even, had nothing, anything, zero to do with that. And then for people who are blinded by Satan, and we saw that, we saw them. Like we got to see demon possession during those years. We saw things that were fake. We saw witch doctors faking it. And we said, that's fake. We saw demon possession to where we were like, there's no other way that that woman could throw that guy across the field unless she was possessed by a demon because it's just a skinny little lady and she just smashed this guy and chucked him. And so we saw both extremes. We saw how fake it was, but we saw how um, controlled they were by the spirit world. And we got to the point where we were presenting the gospel and it just, it just came over Penny and I both that it was, it was like this analogy. I'll just read six again. For God who said, let light... Sorry, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And man, you guys helped us be there. You guys supported us. You guys have a part in this too, but we got to see it like in their eyeballs. We got to hear their testimonies. We got to hear like what they said they had believed before and now they're like looking to Christ and hanging on Christ for their salvation. It was unbelievable. It was it was amazing. And that that was just oh it's it's indescribable to see and to see just how the church is growing and um being used now by the Lord what he's doing. It's his church. He's growing them. This is what the Menya language sounds like. So, I don't usually speak in tongues, but I just, this morning, a little bit, that didn't mean anything to you, but to the menu person, just see them like smile and just get excited when they hear God's word in their own language. It just shoots right to their heart and, and they love it. And um, so, as we see this church born um, January, February of 2018, since then, it has been a, a gradual shift of instead of me being the, the teacher to seeing who is who's accepted this message to begin with, who has believed it and walking in this truth. And we continue teaching. Um, we do another creation of Christ from a believer's perspective. And then we teach through the book of Acts. And in Acts when we're teaching through like, hey, you know, the churches have problems, they get into quarrels, they have fights, we need uh, people to step up and help organize things. And, and uh, at, at that time, they had, what, 6,000 to choose from. And they said, you yourselves pray and find someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And they marked Stephen and the guys. And so, but as a missionary's role, you have to kind of fill all those roles for a little while. You have to be the teacher. You have to be the elder. You have to be the deacon. And then you see, as soon as you start seeing believers, you can start delegating things to guys. And so right away, I was seeing these guys um, 
who were being faithful. And um, we'll get to their individual pictures, but they were stepping up among the believers in the church and saying, hey, I'm like, I really can't speak well, but you know what? If you want me to read the verses, I'll do that. And if you want me to take this part of the teaching, I can do that. And we, we're, and there were guys that I had been praying with and prepping and hoping they would. And so that's the Menia Church now. And 2000, what was that? 2023. So we're going back in June to get a new picture and see where they're at, see what's going on. Um, so these are the Bible teachers right now, guys who have stepped up to be faithful, Kevin, Binga, Terry, Wadi, and Ponji. And it's just amazing the diversity among them, how the Lord has gifted them. And I'm going to talk about one other crucial leader in the church that um, we have his story just in a little bit, too. Um, but so as those guys become faithful in teaching and leading the church through God's word, then I can step back and put more of my focus onto translation. So, so far we have in the Menya Bible, we have uh, Romans and Ephesians, Mark and Acts. And Romans, this, this was like our rock. Like if you think of the, all the other epistles that were written in the New Testament, they're almost always addressing a problem or Paul had already been there, presented the gospel, seen people get saved and raising people up. So he knew the foundation that they had. But with Rome, it's such a different book that he, he starts right in on what I think is like the gospel message in the beginning. He talks about the sinfulness of man, whether that's, you know, pagans or self-righteous people or law keepers. And then he gets into what God is going to do to redeem us. It's, it's an amazing book. So we took two years to study through the book of Romans. We did uh, an overview of the book of Ephesians, which was amazing. And then as soon as we get back in June, we're going to be digging in like a verse-by-verse study of the book of Ephesians. Um, and then we also have Mark and Acts translated. So we have this in our office. And while this picture's up here, I want to show this. That I, you know what that number is right there? 7,957. That's the number of verses in the New Testament. So I try to bump my head on that every time I go out of my office. <laughs> That's the number of verses in the New Testament. But um, this morning I described um, that we got to present the gospel first time in 2018. We walked through Acts. We studied through Romans. The middle of Romans, everybody was getting so excited that they were just drawing in so many people to the point where we had double the amount of crowd, another extra 100 people who never heard the gospel message before. Here we are as a church meeting on Sundays and Wednesdays. And so we said, pause. The whole church, the, all the believers there, we said, let's, let's just stop studying the book of Romans for a while. Let's take, our, take everybody and run through the creation of Christ teaching again so they can get this foundation that you have. And it was a whole other bunch of um, people getting saved. And at that time, those people were... Um, here's our tribe... 
the Menya tribe, I have this painted in my office, with the other people groups around us that are unreached, the Angata people group, the Avieka people group. Um, this people group over here is reached, but, and now Menya is, has a church among them. When we did that second time around, Creation of Christ teaching, because we saw the need that so many unbelievers were showing up to church, we had a huge family group from up here come down, that's 20 miles north of where we're at. They all walk down and just live with relatives. And then one of our young leaders, who I'll show a picture of him later, Pison, who's from down here in this area, he brought a whole group of people up and they all sat there. So now we have a church where we actually have, um, let's see, what should I do? Nothing there. Um, anyway, so when we presented again, there was not just people right around our area that were hearing the gospel. They were from all over the place. So now they get to the end of it, and they go back to their home villages, and they're sharing with everybody from up there at their home village. We just heard this message that we don't have to um, try to appease the spirits. God is unappeasable. The only thing that satisfies God's wrath is what Jesus did. Who's Jesus? Jesus came and lived on this earth and he lived a perfect life. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to get it back up there. I don't know what I did. It wasn't me. Um, and so... That was amazing. So we get to the end of that second creation of Christ teaching, and I just kind of focus back in on um, translation again because they need more scripture. That time I'm working on Ephesians. And, um, and so during this process, we are raising up these teachers. They have to be on their own, stand on their own eventually, and lead, lead their own church. Like, they have to be the ones who can handle God's word, study God's word, teach it and shepherd the flock, um, disciple when issues come up. And so it's fun now when, well, when the problems come up in the church, arguments, issues, that's not fun. But what's fun is when they come and I'm like, okay, what are we going to do, guys? I'm sitting there with the guys you saw, Wadi, Terry, and, and say, like, what do you guys think? And they know now that, to bring their Bibles with them, <laughs> scripture they have, because like, I'm not going to say this. I'm like, what does God's word say? Like, let's find something here that we can address this problem, because it addresses every single need that we have, every single problem that could arise, every single thing that we need um, is handled in God's word. And so that's neat. And so, um, all right, so I don't know where you guys left off, but we, we're right here. Yeah, so these guys came down from 20 miles north. They came down, lived with family for three months. A whole group came from here. So now we have a situation where there's believers scattered all the way up here, 20 miles north, 10 miles south, um, 30 miles apart, and they don't regularly meet with the body. So... What, um, what they're doing is um, the guys will go down and spend a week with them and teach them, like three or four months worth of teaching 
all in a week. It's not ideal, um, but that's what's going on right now. So as my main focus has become translation and getting them curriculum, because we need more of Scripture, we're getting into 1 Corinthians now, and, but also helping them, fa- facilitating this outreach that they're going to be doing is uh, what our thrust is now. So, now I can't progress. Um, and so to see the Lord raise up young guys, what time? 12? 12, 1. Okay. You know, I was like, when they said the kids need to go out, I was like, you know, we have like dog fights in our meetings. We have um, pigs squealing. We have ladies with, yeah, yeah. Oh, just push on there. Or if you, it's now. Okay. Okay, so we have with, so with what's up there plus this, we have 30% of the New Testament for them. Um, One highlight was our church being at the time they were four years old, they had never met another local church. So to go to a church conference, we hiked out of our province over a mountain range. It was 45 mile hike um, over to meet seven other indigenous churches. These, these represent seven other language groups. Sorry, we were part of the seven. So no, seven others besides us, all at various stages like us. Some of them already have a completed New Testament and have been believers for 20, 30 years. Um, and other churches that were very young like us. And that was amazing. Like when you read the verse from Revelation, it was, you know, that we're, we're playing in a game where we know the final score. You know, there's a game coming up tonight, I think. You know, and if you knew what the final score was going to be, not that any of us would ever bet, but you'd probably put some money on that game if you knew the final score. Like, with what we're doing as far as there's going to be some from every tribe, tongue, and nation. He's very specific when he gets to the Great Commission. The Lord is. He doesn't just say, hey, there's going to be a bunch. Go make a bunch of disciples. He's... He wants some. He's very jealous about some from every people group. And we got to see just a little glimpse of what it's going to be like in heaven with all these different people groups singing together. That was cool. I want to tell you a story about Oppie. Um, Oppie was our most dynamic Bible teacher that we had. Um, He was in the first literacy course. He came, he sat right through the whole first creation of Christ teaching and it was basically like leading some of the question groups at the end because he was so on, like tracking this thing, kind of like Wadi, just already believe, he, he was believing as he was going through, as he heard, you know, Cain and Abel's story. He's like, no, he's like, you know, you should do it like Cain. You should do it like Abel. Like Cain's going his own way. He's bringing his own fruit. Abel's going God's way. You know, you could see him right there, just like seeing what should be going on. And this was back in May. His son got up early in the morning and uh, fell into some boiling oil and burnt himself all the way right up. So him and his wife, Tama, went up to the aid post to stay with him while they had him on liquid fluids and stuff. And Oppie was, so when you're in the hospital, there's witch doctors that'll come through and offer to do incantations and sorcery, basically, to heal as you're at the hospital. He was refusing that. He said, absolutely no. He had his, uh, the scripture that he had with him. 
Um, he was reading Bible stories to his kid the whole time. Him and Tama were studying things. The same time he was, when this came up, he had already led a group of completely people who had never heard the gospel before in our village all the way up to um, when John the Baptist was introducing Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At that point, his son fell in the fire. He was up at the house sick for two weeks. And then we, got a, we flew out of the bush because we were getting ready to come back to the States in May. And we got a call one night, and they said, Oppie's sick. And I said, I was like, go in our house, and we have two totes of medicine there that are probably going to expire while we're on home assignment. Take them to the doctors. They're they're not really doctors. They're aid post orderlies. See if there's anything you can use. We didn't even know what it was. They just said he was coughing up blood. And um, then we got a call the next morning and said, Oppie died. And it was... You'd think, after walking with the Lord for so many years, that you wouldn't question him, you know? You wouldn't, you wouldn't say, like, Lord, what in the world are you doing? Like, out of this church that you, you wanted us to come plant, the most dynamic teacher... The, the one who was most concerned about uh, evangelism out of everybody, we, we would have the leader meetings where we'd be like, we got this issue in the church and we need to study this next and we need to get this translated. And he'd be like, let's do all that. He's like, but these guys need to hear the gospel. And he's like, I can, I can come help you with translation, you know, Monday, Tuesday, but the rest of the week, I'm going to be up there sharing the gospel with these guys. Just the most passionate about, about the gospel. And, and so when I heard that, it was like, that happened. And then he, he died and we were out. We were planning on leaving Papua New Guinea within like a week. Same time, Helen's dad, um, her brother, who had, she had been witnessing to, got drunk and stabbed and killed her dad right in front of her, right in the house step there. And, and so it was like, this young church is just like getting tore up. And, and me, I'm thinking like, man, I need to go in there and like save this thing, you know? Like, make sure they don't derail. And... Um, I went back in and <clears throat> went to go see Betty and Simon, who are Oppie's parents, who are believers. Um, when we got to Acts the first time through, and we're teaching about baptism, and we were like, we're just looking at Scripture. We're like, look at the trend here. People hear the gospel, they believe it, and they get baptized. And Betty was like, there's a lot of pressure from the local, um, I won't name the name, but other religious organizations that sprinkle kids, these guys, when they're young. And so they'll get like called to court if they get baptized. She was like, what my parents did, this is Betty here, Oppie's mom. She said, but what my parents did when 
when I was a kid was a joke. Like I wasn't a believer that had nothing to do with it. We thought, they thought they were going to wash sin off me and I was going to be a good kid. She's like, I want to obey. Like we weren't even putting out like a, hey, if anybody wants to get baptized yet, she was just like stood up. And the, all the guys in the church were absolutely petrified because they knew what was going to come when people start getting baptized. Um, and she was just so bold. Um, and her husband took a lot longer. He, he kind of held on to some of the animistic stuff a lot longer. And I did end up going back in thinking that that's what the church needed just a few days before we were coming back to the United States here. And Simon took me to the grave and um, he, he said, he, he said, Wes, what did, did you think we were going to scatter? <laughs> did you think we were all going to like run off? And he's like, when they came to do, because they have to do after death sorcery too. He's like, when the leaders came to do sorcery afterwards, it was like, we stood up and we told them, absolutely no. Like, what happened with Oppie was completely in line with God's will. And in their culture, you got to blame death on every sorcery. Everything has to be blamed. They said, this was in accordance with God's will. We believe God's sovereign and God took Oppie. And the, the church actually got taken to court for not doing sorcery. Like they got, um, they got taken to court for baptizing. They got taken to court for not accusing somebody of doing sorcery. It was crazy. But they stood up and I was going in scared, worried, you know, what, what this young church is going to do. Um, but it was like, they were just strengthening me. I, like, I walked away from that thinking, like, who's the mature ones here? Like, it, it was amazing. It was, it was really cool. So that's, uh, sorry, Oppie's parents. I'm save just five minutes for that video. Um, there was Oppie getting baptized. And this was another... This day when there was about, I don't know, 15 or 20 people getting baptized, it started off with the leaders coming to me and saying, these guys want to get baptized. And I look over and I'm like, who is that? I didn't even know these guys. And I'm like, well, let's sit down. Let's hear what they got to say. And the testimonies coming out were unbelievable. I was just amazed. And I had nothing to do with that. Like, that was exciting. And then we had two rows of people coming down into the river and they do it, they do it like at the most public place in the tribe there is where all these trails converge and go across this bridge where they can yell out their testimony to all the people standing on the bridge there. And uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. But to see many believers, faithful Bible teachers, baptizing guys that they have led to the Lord and discipled and have an amazing testimony is, is so exciting. It's, that's amazing. Um, this is Wadi. Um, Wadi is a walking concordance. If you, ask, if you can think of a phrase in Romans and say it to him, he'll tell you verse, chapter, verse, reference. Like he knows Romans. He doesn't have, he, he has Romans, Mark, and Ephesians. He doesn't even know what 1 Corinthians says, what 2 Corinthians says. He, he's basically got the book memorized. It's unbelievable. He's our probably most faithful Bible teacher and really good friend of mine. 
Binga is also a Bible teacher, so you can pray for these guys. This, uh, that was Terry. This is Terry here in Ponji. Terry and Ponji are Bible teachers. Wadi and Binga, pray for these guys. Um, this guy actually was, man, I got so many stories, but this guy um, killed his brother. He's a, he's a murderer. <laughs> Um, him and his brother were working in the garden, got in a fight, and he chopped him up with a machete and killed him. And his wife came to the initial um, Bible teaching, got saved, and was praying for her husband over, like, over and over again. He just thought he was so sinful, like he wouldn't even associate really with other people. He'd never see him at a public gathering, never see him at market, just because he was ashamed of who he was. And then hearing the gospel message, and that Paul was most likely a murderer. You know, the Apostle Paul was, you know, persecuting the church and killing people, and he could relate, you know, King David, their mistakes, and um, he got saved, got baptized. It was amazing. Um, but these are your brothers and sisters in Christ that you're going to get to meet in heaven. Um, Api beat us there, which is exciting. Um, this is another one of the Bible teachers now. His name's Kevin, and he kind of leads with literacy. Right after he got baptized, he got to baptize his wife and his daughter too, which was super fun. But now, with the passing of Api, as I was questioning the Lord, like a um, doubting one, I called, talked to the guys, and... I, I usually call, talk to Wadi and Terry. I call them on Saturday night, which is, um, it's right before they meet on Sunday morning. And he said, the, the time before, they're like, the young guys, Pison leads this little group of evangelists. They're high school students, but they, he said, they've been down at such and such a village for two weeks, and they're almost through the creation of Christ teaching. They'd like, the, the village just provides food for them. And he's like, this week they're going over here and they're doing this. And it lit a fire under these young guys because Oppy was so dynamic. When they would go to a crowd and start talking, everybody would just stand back and let Oppy talk because he was the best. He could get everybody's attention and just... And with his passing, everybody's kind of standing around looking at each other. And they're just like, okay, like, I'll step up. Like, the gospel needs to be preached here. And uh, it's just unbelievable how these young guys, that you could pray for peace on, and he's leading a, a little group of young guys. I mean, these, these are some of the guys I was talking about where I had no clue who they were. I didn't even know their names, and they're telling me their testimony, and I'm just getting, like, knocked out of my seat. I'm just like, this is unbelievable what the Lord is doing. Um, the young ladies, too, you can pray for them. They... they <clears throat> They have it hard because culturally they get marriages arranged before they're even born sometimes. So for them to break that cycle of being sold off to um, an unbelieving clan or something where you're going to get married is, is very hard. They're, they're standing up and kind of trying to work through. We spend a lot of time with the parents and talking about you know, what is right now. That was another reason of why we were going to these um, church conferences where all these other churches get together because it's like maybe you can meet a, belie a believing husband and stuff. So 
Um, just the young ladies, unbelievable. Like these, all these young girls too, they actually, the little one, Otis here, that's Oppie's little sister, on that hike, the 45 miles there and 45 miles back, I couldn't carry my bag. She carried my bag for me. She's like this tall. <laughs> She's just like a little thing. They're unbelievable. Um, it's amazing. And Oppie got to baptize her, which was super cool. But I'm going to leave it here and just say, before I play this video, but you know, when you think of um, just, there's people around the world that haven't heard the gospel yet for the first time. And you, you can go and, and look at this in Romans 10. And Paul's like, there's some that haven't heard. They haven't believed yet. And he gives the solution right with it. So we got this, we got the, the target audience that hasn't heard, needs to hear. How does that happen? The church sends, and the missionaries go. And we're thankful for you guys for being a part of that. We could not be there uh, without you guys behind us, financially supporting us and praying for us. So we just wanted to say thank you. Um, you guys are, like, right there with us. Like, when we, get to, when we get to that big gathering up in heaven, and there's all those tribes there, like, we're going to get to go along. Like, Paul actually said to the Thessalonians, I think in the second book, he said, like, what's my crown? My crown is you guys. Like, we think of we're stacking up rewards, like we're going to have, you know, crowns. Like, the Thessalonian church, that was Paul's crown. Like, he actually referred to them that way. Like, these guys, all of us, this, this is like our prize. The only eternal things here we can see are man's souls and God's word. And we need to be about those things. And we thank you guys for being about that. And um, we're just going to end with a video, which has, at the end, it has Oppie's testimony, which I hope is an encouragement to you guys. And um, thank you for letting me come and share here. I appreciate it this time. Let's see, I think I'll just go here. Hit this. Oh, I got to bring it over. Hi, my name is Wes Chapel. My wife Penny and I are tribal church planners here in the Menya tribe. And I'm with my brothers Ponji, Abi, and Binga. And I'm going to let them tell you guys from their perspective all the different steps that we went through to get to the point where we could present the gospel in their language and see a church planted in this tribe here. Time Wesley all or some time all comes to law, bless from on a Mibla Lea, and all on a all comes to long blood time, all come line him, talk bless long, Mibla, many a lea, line him talk bless now, on a Macalza blow, Mibla, and take him all long blood, some play yes, law on a line him, one again, passing now, thinking on a Mibla guard long almost, and all looks away too. Na time all on me on a lanim talk place pinis na all on me sawe na mosem all on me putim literacy class. Literacy, 
long bibla by rhythm long top less na how long by me read alright what the work lo top less and me come up alright long wesley can read him to him out me plan now alright and put him top less literacy class alright and put him in child long two plan moon Okay, I'm picking my blood mass blood, my blood stop inside. All right, my blood empty team blood or top place when blood yet long. Read now, right? Now my blood practice, low read, right? Practice go 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 penis. Now I'm blood sour, say more top place when blood blood talk tasso there. I'm also blood saying, you got no meaning, no tasso. Time my blood reading inside, low top place when blood. I'm blood sour, say yes, I'm blood and read now, right? Low top place when blood. la story wok lo soe mi bla lo sem mi bla kain mano sem mi bla kam lo picture blong adam mi bla kasin na mi bla nona blong go close to one them god because mi bla biru up long god na mi bla no friend blong god mi bla stop long well god na mi bla stop slave long this la sin so mi bla kisim big bla sawo lo this la beyond long this la lesson study go finish long malakai lo this la now mi bla kisim sawo lo nongut blong bla na mi bla look sawo so mi bla sin man beyond now and put him good news go chai long start him story blong john Na long walk, I mean, been making. Jesus been starting walk. Na I mean, been making long. Kirapim all money got sick, or all money bagarap, or I no good, I pass. Oh, girl, this la. I mean, so much. My, me platun this la kind man, Mary. Me plat got die angel of spirit long one. Time Adam naive, two plat been sakim talk long God. Body is that life yet as a spirit. I mean, been die. So long this la me plat looks awesome. Yes, me plat got bagarap angel of spirit. So, me plan looking this la story. Jesus em muklo make him this la diamond em kira him na oleka nungut em write him. Me plan look saos ay me plan too me plan die osem man in die osem Lazarus em bin die ya Jesus em kira him na give him life. Me plan saos me plan die angel of spirit. So me plan saos em one plan road me plan mas look look long Jesus. So me plan story come 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 na he come come up long die long Jesus. Now, Mibla looks at him. Jesus, I mean, die and double the white cross. Now, Emmy talk with him. Emmy kiss him as well. Bellat became from this last scene, blow me blow where Adam and Eve been come up in here. Emmy continue line to Monablan generation. He can come up with Mibla too. Mibla was him. Mibla got this last scene. Now, Bellat became from God. Enough Mibla can kiss him now. Golong Elfire. That's what Mibla looks at him. My Jesus, Emmy kiss him blow me this la man. Now, Emmy die and double the white cross. Now, Emmy talk with him. Walk and finish. Now, Miss was a minute and a blow. Struggle, minute of hard work, minute of being a blow. Oh, God, this is my love. Oh, this is my love. I'm so sinful. I'm not straight. I'm not good. Man, in a me can come up with Mark where God said him. So, me at me, no, no. So, me looks at what I'm saying. Jesus, I'm being kissed. I'm blessed. I'm being done. I'm blessed. 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 Us, my family's in South Carolina, but we're heading back to New Guinea in um, the end of May, and um, we're looking to go for four years, and unless there's grandkids coming on the way, so we'll pop back over to meet our grandkids. Um, nothing yet, but 
we're leaving a couple months open here or there to come. But our goal is to get back there. And it's really exciting time because many as a group of 50,000 people, 50 villages, and they are like in Hangwa in our home village, they're just like busting at the seams ready to, I mean, it's already, there's believers in all these other villages and we need to get out and see them. So it's going to be the Menya Church now um, starting their own church planting among among their people. And I'll be mainly focusing on translation and get them more scripture in their hands, but also helping facilitate these outreach into the other 50 villages. And they're already talking what is going to happen when we bump into the language to the north of us, the tribe to the north that doesn't have God, the, the gospel. And so they're already thinking, um, you know, it's going to become their place where they send out missionaries from in the future. So we're just excited about that. Thank you for praying for us and supporting us. We, we appreciate it. Thank you.